Welcome to RSN's Racing Pulse. But Skirt the Law is in front, and Skirt the Law is all too good. Skirt the Law's one by length and a half second. Lofty strike over the top. What a good return. Lofty strike has won it. Fangirl rattling home, but Animo launches his autumn assault in great style. Artorius! Wow, Artorius bombed her and won the Canterbury Stakes right on the wire. Philly Legato is driving at them and got up. The Philly, the Kiwi, Legato has nailed attrition. For the next three hours, the breaking racing news the stories, opinion, the mail, and the people who make racing happen. Here's Michael Felgate. Good morning and welcome to Racing Pulse on this Monday the 13th of March. I hope you're enjoying a long weekend if you're lucky enough to have this Monday off. Unlike most of us in the racing industry, but it is a good Monday because it's Adelaide Cup Day, Canberra Cup Day, racing down at the Bull, and we are here to look back on what was a Super Saturday at Flemington. A lot of drama a lot of controversy again and a wonderful performance. The cream rose to the top in the 150th running of the new market in secret outstanding. And it was a sliding doors moment for jockey Dean Holland. We'll kick off the program with Dean this morning who was able to secure his first Victorian Group 1. Uh, not the way he would have hoped, but he rode the filly outstandingly well. We'll also catch up on the program a little later after 9 o'clock with Matt Highland. We need to get an update on Jamie Carr and also Craig Williams. Craig, last night going home, which is great news. Jamie Carr, the reports are positive, but it is a serious injury that will take a fair bit of time on the sidelines after that heavy fall on Saturday. We'll catch up with Mark Zara. He rode a treble on Saturday. He also incurred the wrath of stewards. He's got a suspension, but he will be back for next weekend. Michael Kent Jr. and Mick Price, they unveiled the next superstar from their stable. Right you are, continued his picket fence. We'll get the latest on Anavisto. And what about the performance of Mickey D over in Sydney? Another Group 1 lifting Espiona to win the Coolmore. We'll have a chat to Mickey D on the program a little later as well. We'll preview Adelaide Cup Day. We'll preview the Warrnambool meeting today. And Matty Stewart is here to do it with me. Matty... Mick Sharkey's decided to take a public holiday day off. He's actually working over in Adelaide because it's the Magic Million sale. So it's just you and me to dissect and discuss everything from the weekend. Yes, and a lot of other issues going on in racing as well. Uh, I note that the Warnable mm. meeting today has a what was used to be turned in jumpers flat today. Uh, and it's a reminder that the, the things are changing. We're on the cusp of heading towards uh, jump season soon. It doesn't feel like it, does it, with the new market? But first jumps race is on Friday, I think, at Tarang. So, yeah, certainly a sense that uh, we're moving from one thing to the other. But uh, I, I, I'm wondering whether the new market's my favourite race. You know, not every single edition of it, but in general terms. And I think if I felt that way, then I think I feel that way even more after this particular edition of the new market. Uh, amazing, uh, amazing race. And... It sort of ticked every new market box, you know, the lightly weighted horses, you know, it's a handicap race and, and you, you know, yet again, it was the weights counted in the new market um, and the weights anchored in the new market as well. I think I wish I win in private eye. Ultimately, I think probably the, the, the feather-weighted youngsters, uh, uh, were, were, you know, that was that was the, the, the killer punch. Yeah, we saw some good performances at Flemington on Saturday, but... 
in secret stood out. It was a perfect planning from trainer James Cummington. In the end, it was a lovely ride from Dean Holland. Plenty of hopes in secret, took the front, 250 metres to go from front page, Private Eye, then I wish I win the outside, in secret the leader, 100 metres to go, Lofty Strike is flashing down the outside, but it's the filly, in secret holding on, in secret won the new market, in secret from Lofty Strike, and I wish I win. They were followed Another big five. group one down the famous Flemington straight for in secret, she was absolutely stunning, and Dean Holland... Despite the pressure, rode a 10 out of 10 race, and he joins us this morning. Dean, congratulations. Uh, well done on the weekend. Thanks very much, guys, and, um, yeah, thanks for having me on. Tell us what the build-up was like. Uh, how did it all unfold when Jamie Carr, unfortunately, had the fall and was unable to ride? Were you sitting in the in the jockey's room when James Cummings walked in and said, who can ride 50 kilos and wants to ride the favourite in the new market? <laughs> Uh, look, um, obviously, uh, we'll start off with, you know, all our thoughts go out to uh, Willow and, and Jamie, and that was everyone's first thought, is, is they okay, and are they okay, sorry, and um, look, I, it didn't even cross my mind, to be honest, and I got a valet there, Colin Dean, and he said, well, you better get on the scale, because I don't think there's many options, and I weighed myself, I was 51.3, so my weight was perfect, and the more I looked, um, the more I realised that I was probably it, so... Um, Look, there was a few anxious moments. Uh, I didn't approach James myself. I just waited for them them to come to me. Um, and, yeah, they finally, he obviously went off and done a bit of form on my um, past 12 months or two years and uh, realised that, you know, he was um, happy enough to have me on the horse. And, uh, yeah, obviously I jumped at the opportunity and what a great result it was in the end. You say, obviously, I jumped at the opportunity, but I imagine there's a little bit of mixed feelings as well because it's such a shock to the system to suddenly uh, be thrust upon the favourite uh, in the world's most famous sprint race. So was there was there sort of like 99% yes, I want to seize this opportunity and 1% of, oh, wow, what, what am I going to do now? <laughs> it was a bit like that, yeah. it was. Um, I sort of went from having a ride in race one that was a long shot and then I had a... My best role was probably in race eight for Hayes, which um, biometric, he's an each-way chance sort of thing. And then the last one was um, 100 to 1, but probably an, an OK ride. So I went there with... with um, I tried to do my best, obviously, but it's a different it's a different uh, mentality to, to riding a, a favourite in a group one. And I, I, I realised then that I had to really change my mood, my mood quick and um, switch on a bit. So what... Um, I saw, and I did. I, I, I went off with James. We went through the race, and then it all sunk in. And I was um, I was on the money then, and um, up back back to my best, and very switched on. So uh, James is meticulous, as the entire Godolphin team is. So what was that planning moment like? Yeah, well, look, he said um, he told me a bit about the horse. He said we went back to her trial, so she was a little bit slow away, and. Um, she was slow away with two two separate jockeys. It was uh, one was Nash and one was um, J Mac. Um, so he he had drum, drummed into my head that look, there's there's a big chance she could be slow away, but if she is, this is the way to ride her, and if she jumps, this is the other way to ride her. So um, look, she as a result she jumped okay. She didn't bomb the start, but she just ended up in the perfect spot. But yeah, he he's. Um, very meticulous with his with his instructions, but at the same time, he was very basic as well. He kept it pretty simple for me. So, um, look, she's a good horse. Um, 
you don't need too many instructions with them type of horses, I don't think. I remember when Mallum got the gig on um, Black Caviar and the Patnack the year that Luke Nolan was unavailable. And I, I wonder whether it was a similar thing for you, where it may have been a, a bit of a daunting sort of thing to be thrust upon you, but then it is a bit of a point-and-shoot job up the straight, isn't it? And she was drawn a middle barrier with no weight. I'm not saying it was the easiest possible um, call-up, but it, was, it, it wasn't that complicated in the end, was it? It was sort of point-and-shoot. It was, yeah, uh, exactly. And well, once he, once James jumped into me, that that um, you know she can be slow away, so expect that. Expect um, these little things to happen. But if she does, she's still going to be good enough to win the race. So just trust her turn of foot. And uh, I wrote her a call, and actually, Mellon Mellon's messaged me the other night and congratulated me, and he said um, how well he thought I handled myself, and it reminded him when he, when he did pick up Black Caviar that time. So um, he said it's not easy to provide a favourite in a group one, especially late notice, but it's a lot different than riding a 101 pop, that's for sure. And it just goes to show too, Dean, that there's not that much difference. It's about opportunity a lot of the time. So you've taken your opportunity and when you came back and threw the reins uh, to James Cummins, you just say, hey, maestro, don't forget me. Look at what I just did. Yeah, well, I actually said, I let it all um, sink in and yesterday on the way to a trooper, I just shot, shot him a message and said I'd love to... Um, you know, set up a phone call and um, I, I expect or hope that um, <clears throat> now that he's seen me do it, he, he's got confidence to put me on in a nice race with a lightweight because, um, as everyone knows, I, I walk around literally 50 and a half, 51 kilos, so um, I can get as low as 47 if I have to. Uh, and, yeah, I, I've got confidence in myself. I think my riding's gone to another level since I've had um, James Winks probably the last last two seasons and I've obviously got a lot of support from the McAvoy team but yeah I'm, I'm bursting with confidence and I'm really keen to make it as a um, Saturday class jockey. I remember talking to Malum after Black Caviar and said what was it like riding Black Caviar? It must have been like sitting on a, a you know a missile. He said it was kind of wasn't it wasn't it she didn't feel any faster but then when you look sideways everyone was blurring by a lot quicker than you thought in the crowd when he galloped past did she feel like a superstar sprinter when you hopped on her or or or, or is it not that simple uh well look i think the the biggest thing i noticed was her how relaxed she was and she's a three-year-old filly but she was like riding a nine-year-old gelding that's just the lead pony going to the gates i just lobbed over her neck she was so relaxed she didn't raise her hair before the race, and um, you know she's got a bit of confidence about her. She's sort of strutting around behind the gates and just wanted to stop in front of everyone and just have a look around. So I just took her up the back and let her do that, and just left her alone. I, I didn't want to tell her what to do. She, she surely knows what she's doing. So uh, I just sat on her. I was the pilot, and yeah, it is true. Um, it, look, she let rip like a, like a weapon, but um, you don't feel how quick you're going when you're going down the straight like that. So. Um, until you look at the sectionals, then you realise how fast you actually went. Dean, just on the other big story, which was the fall, it's two Saturdays in a row now where we've had jockeys that have been seriously injured in, in big race falls. What's what's the mood been like in the jockeys' room? Uh, look, um, after the falls, it's, everyone goes quiet and it's just everyone's very worried because we're all, you know, we're all mates. Um, the, the females and the males, we all, you know, if we if we travel interstate or drive to the races together, we, we spend a lot of time together, so everyone's worried for everyone, but 
look, even even Brownie's fall last week, I, it was still in the back of my head all week, you know what I mean? I was worried about him and hoping that he, that he, he would pull through, and he has in the end. So, And it was the same with Jamie and, and even Willow. So, yeah, it doesn't set the, the greatest mood, but um, unfortunately it's, we've just got to get back to our, our business and try and switch back on again. So, yeah, it is a, a lot to worry about when, when it happens two weeks in a row. So, um, But they're all okay, that's the main thing. Dutchie, is it a is it a a reality of your career that there you do spend a lot of time worrying about your fellow riders? I mean, the fatalities are rare, but they do occur. There's you know there's a long list of them over the years, and there's always a lot of jockeys out injured. It, I guess it's a reality of your career that more often than not, there's usually someone that you're worried about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I looked. At, I think the biggest thing when someone has a fall, if they're moving their arms and legs and they're talking then um, that, that, that's a sigh of relief for everyone. So um, the, the two things we probably don't want to see happen, obviously death and um, someone being paralysed or, or, or can't, um, you know, can't function anymore. That's, that's, no, one wants to, no one wants to see that, but it's broken bones heal. So um, we've all had them and we're always going to have them. So that's something we have to deal with. And you mentioned Ben Malum. He's been in this position more than most in recent years. I remember he and Danny Brereton were close as you could possibly be and Mellon was the first one to rush to Danny Brereton's side when he had that terrible fall at Mooney Valley about 10 years ago and Ethan Brown's his best mate, Jamie Carr is his partner so no surprise that Ben Mellon basically three quarters of the way through the program said you know what, headspace, I'm out of here I've got more important things to do. Yeah, he, look he, he's a um, pretty strong-minded Minded guy Mellum, and um, look, he got through, he got through that that ride, and then obviously uh, he just couldn't go on anymore, which is completely fair enough. And um, but I thought he'd done a good job just to be, even hang around. And I think um, from what I was told, he wasn't even allowed to go see Jamie uh, to start with because she wasn't in the best of ways. And I think that that really got to him as well, not not having that um, you know peace of mind that she's okay, and not even be able to see her till he literally till he got to the hospital. And in the end, it was almost a ride of the day from betting on Cirilio Miss as well. Hey, Dean, I can hear you at the airport. You've got a big day. You're heading over to ride in the Adelaide Cup. You went to Echuca yesterday, so you haven't even had a chance really to celebrate the victory, have you? No, I had a couple of beers um, Saturday night. I probably had about four beers and the missus made a cheese platter. And then um, <laughs> woke up yesterday, went to Echuca, rode all day and then I had a couple more beers on the way home. My, my valet Colin Dean drove me, so we had a couple of beers. But yeah, back back into it today. Unfortunately, I'm um, suspended for a week after today. Um, so, but that'll give me time to reflect on on what what's happened on the weekend. Good time to get a suspension, I reckon. There'll be more than a cheese platter. Uh, <laughs> you don't bear it for the D's, do you? Hey, uh, team captain, Adelaide Cup, and also Bavisha, uh, Bavisha in the Morphville Guineas. Can you keep the role going? Uh, look, I think they're both um, each way chances. I've also picked up Bossy Nick in the two-year-old okay. um, uh, for the McAvoy team. She's a, she's a nice uh, nice horse, and um, I think she's going to benefit from a little bit further. But uh, I do think she's um, doing everything right this time, this stage of her career. I think she'll um, improve with with racing, but it would not surprise me if she won today. Well, uh, the team's going really well. Uh, you've got so so unusual who's flying at the moment for uh, Calvin and Tony. So um, there's plenty of positivity about the future uh, with your name up in lights at the moment. 
Absolutely. I even um, it's a little bit shattering, but I got the offer to ride Mr. Brightside in the All Star Bowl this Saturday, but unfortunately I got suspended last oh. Sunday. So um, look, that's the way the world works. You you get good luck, and you've got to cop the good with the bad. So um, yeah. Wasn't great news when I got a phone call from a manager last night saying that I could have. Uh, the owners actually rang to book me, but look, it's these opportunities that I'm hoping to get from now on. So uh, it's good to see that these big stables are thinking of me. That's it. The yeah, don't, go, don't go pulling Brightside's tail next week. No, no. Look, <laughs> like I said, you just got to top the good with the bad. I, I'm hoping um, someone like Harry Coffey gets on it, and then I'll be cheering at home. Yeah, good on you, mate. Uh, it was a great moment for yourself. You handled the pressure beautifully. Good luck today over in Adelaide. Thanks very much, guys. Thanks for having me. I sent out a tweet earlier about similar situations of late call-ups, and it wasn't similar in a way, but uh, Glenn Boss, at the very last minute on the day, got Hayless call-up in the, 40, the All Eight Stakes in Sydney, okay. uh, the late last-minute call-up there. Probably looking more towards Neil Williams on Brave Warrior in the 1994 Magic Millions, trained by... Uh, Leanne's Maltese, my uncle Eric Kerwin, he was meant to be ridden by his apprentice Chris Muntz. So Neil Williams got called up on Brave Warrior and got the job done there. So there you go. Yeah, well, let us know. SMSs, if you can think of any others, 0416905052, where um, you've been thrown the silks in a big race on a favourite and the job's been done. I remember the other way, uh, when Shane Scriven was given the ride on octagonal mm. in the derby, things didn't quite Victim go Victim of plan. circumstances. Yes. Um, and uh, other sports as well. Like, um, there's obviously going to be some kid who got called up to play on the big full forward or something like that as well. So, <laughs> And nailed it like my mate Peter White on Warwick Kappa all those years ago. Uh, we'll take a quick break. On the other side, I want to talk more about the Beaten Brigade in the new market. Where does In Secret go? Could she join Animo now over in Royal Ascot? And this jockey merry-go-round, talking about Mr. Brightside, Luke Curry's in the mix. Uh, it'd be great if Harry Coffey was able to snare a right. We'll have more on that. All that's still to come. Placing their opinion on the line, it's The Verdict. Welcome back to The Verdict with Matty Stewart. A few SMSs coming through here. I'm chuffed for Dean Holland. Good rider. Maybe now he'll be in secrets rider. Uh, from now on, Dean Ho- uh, Dean Holland, what a ripper bloke from Rob. Does Dean get all the cash for the pickup win or is Jamie entitled to a share? What's the protocol? I, I think it would be, uh, I think the rules would go, I, I, we'll have to double check. Matt Highland will know. Yeah, we'll ask uh, Matty. I would imagine it goes to Dean Holland, unless um, Dean Holland and Jamie Carr have a conversation about yeah, it. Yeah, I, I don't Holland. know whether it comes to the two jockeys working something out in that situation. I know there have been... Um, splits when a jockey has been engaged for a ride in a in a major race and then gets sacked yeah. and another jockey gets instated. Um, another one here, just the question you asked before the break, Matty. Hi, guys, giving my age away, but the Caulfield Melbourne Cup's on rising fast. Bill Williamson fell on a 1,000 guineas. Arthur Ward, Jack Pertell got the call-ups. That's from Tony. Yes, I wrote a big chunk of a book for uh, Slattery's about all of that with Rising Fast, and I, I recall that. Len Hill replacing Pat Highland on the Cox Plate on Torto. I'm not sure what the circumstances were with Pat Highland, but maybe he had a fall in an earlier race or something. Hey, Matty, would you send in secret as a little travel partner, <laughs> maybe more than just a travel partner, with Animo over to Royal Ascot? Yeah. How many eggs do you put in the Royal, As- uh, Royal Ascot basket? I'm, I'm sorry. It's nearly dump button, Mikey. Um, uh, the Royal Ass, as I described it. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. Um, there's Stradbrokes. There's, I, I think we can fall too much into the love affair with Royal Ascot. Send one, but don't send an army. We've still got Stradbrokes and so on here at the same time. Let's see what James Cummings thinks about the idea. We've been thinking about it. Like re- recent years, to see horses like Artorias go over and run so well. I, I mean, I, he was he was such a good two year old Artorias, and now he's come back having run so well over there. He's frank out form by winning it. A big race there last weekend in the Canterbury Stakes. There's another, you know, there's another good horse you're looking out for, and TJ Smith. That looks like a, a really wide open race this year, um, and uh, and so you know, it, it certainly it certainly does make it uh, it does make it in, uh, in, enticing the prospect of taking a, a horse like her. It does come it does come you know at uh, at, at a bit a bit, a bit of a price of what might be uh, what you might be about, you know back in time for and available for in, in the springtime. So there's that for us to weigh up. Uh, so she doesn't, you know, she doesn't have to go. We haven't inoculated her. We haven't, we haven't, uh, we haven't locked her in by any means in, nearly as much as we have. Um, we have fixed our focus for the, for the, for the flagship horse Anima. And, uh, and for, at this stage, we'll probably leave it at that. Yeah. So look, it's 50, 50 at this stage. She's got to come through the TJ. Um, Matty, it, we'll is, t- it is arduous. It's, oh, it's not no a doubt. simple thing to do. Yeah. Um, she's got a lot of, um, upside in the breeding barn as well in secret. Is she uh, the best sprinter right here and now? This is one of your you love these ones. Is she the best? Well, Giga Kick's got to be considered. Mm. Where's um, Nature Strip now? Is he officially not the best sprinter no, right now? No, not no, not a hope. Look at the oh. way he capitulated in the Lightning. Yeah. Well, I, well, that, you know what's going to be fascinating about the TJ. Can he resurrect Nature Strip? Where does In Secret In Secret fit in? Can Giga Kick? Get the job done again. It's Eduardo. He, he he's nah, still there. Eduardo, no. Imperatrix. It's um. It's going to be a fascinating one because there's a few old champs on the canvas. We so. get to see Lost and Running next week as well. Hey, um, we'll take a quick break. We'll talk about the beating brigade after this, and then Matty Holland will give us an update on the jockeys. Mark Zara still to come. Mickey D still to come, and Michael Kent Jr. On RSN's Racing Pulse, this is the verdict. Welcome back to The Verdict. We're going to have a chat now to Matty Highland to get an update on Jamie Carr. And then Craig Williams will join us live. He's feeling up to having a chat after we speak to Matty Highland, which is great news because it means that Willow is feeling a bit uh, better uh, after heading home last night. Matt Highland joins us. Matty, uh, gee, it's been a, a tough couple of weeks for yourself and all Victorian jockeys after the incidents that we've had. What's the latest this morning with Jamie? Yeah, good day, Michael. So Jamie is still in pretty much the same condition she was yesterday. She's still sedated at Royal Melbourne. I spoke with Ben Mallon this morning, and Ben, I know, has put a tweet out updating um, from the family. So, uh, but pretty much the same as yesterday. She's still sedated, and uh, doctors will look to reduce that sedation once they're happy that you know she's she's comfortable enough and and. Uh, you know, she'll be settled enough when they do reduce that sedation. And just uh, just Ethan Brown? Uh, Brownie's still in Royal Melbourne. And, um, yeah, I, I think you might have seen some tweets that were put out or pictures that were put out on social media of Brownie. So, look, he's progressing. I would have thought Brownie would be out in the next couple of days, hopefully. But, um, yeah, and then he's he's got a fairly long road to recovery. But I saw him on Friday and he was in pretty good spirits and... Uh, on the pictures that I saw over the weekend, he, he looks like he's well on his way. Matt, what's the situation with, in general terms, the 
ensuring the morale of the group of the of the cohort of riders. You know, uh, Dean Yendel was telling us. Uh, I'm sorry, Dean Holland was telling us that. You know, it was a very somber mood that that it came over the course. Ethan Brown and then the two others on Saturday as well. What, what's the? I know a lot of jockeys won't take it up and and are steely and strong and 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 so on. But there's a lot of young kids as well. How? What's in place industry wise to to as as like a, as a blanket, a comforting blanket for the jockeys during these times? Is there is there counselling? What what's what's the protocol when you when you get a a spate of these sort of things, if there is one at all? Yeah. So Matt, what I would firstly say is. Uh for obvious reasons, when, when one of the jocks goes down, like on Saturday or the week before, um, obviously there's a fair bit of emotion attached to that because they are such a close-knit group. But, but I think the important thing is to get the information uh, on the on the well-being and the health of the, the riders that are, that are injured. If we can get that information to them as quickly as possible and as clearly as possible, then it's up to the riders to determine whether they they are prepared to continue to keep riding. Now, um, I think you'll find that, you know, once they get that information, there's a lot of chatter in the room and, and discussion about it. But, you know, they've got a job to do. They're, they're professionals. And uh, I think they're best to make that judgment themselves. Then to take it one step further, if, if riders are feeling a little bit comfortable about the what's occurred or, or on the day. You know, we've got a jockey assistance program that works in the background, headed up by Lisa Stevens, um, which is a 20, 24-7 program. And, and, you know, that that operates in the background without much noise and without much notice, you know. And uh, But riders know it's there and they know they can contact Lisa or, or, or other psychologists that are available through that program. They can contact them at any given time, 24-7. So... Yeah, it's, uh, there's a lot that goes on in the background uh, that people probably aren't aware aware of, but I think the first, firstly, the most important thing is to get the information on the health and well-being of the riders that are injured on the day, and then, you know, it's up to the riders in the room how they feel about it and how they respond to that. Matty, I'll ask Craig this question as well, but your point of view as the boss of the Jockeys Association, and this was just a race day incident on Saturday. There was no fault it was a, uh, one of those unfortunate clipping of the heels. Do we race too tight? Um, is speed or lack of speed changing in tempo a factor? I've heard a lot of commentary around that over the last 24 hours. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to... It's probably your, the, this interview or this program is not going to be long enough for me to have a, a proper conversation about that. But I think what we do have to remember is that there's, there's eight races run every day and, and there's, you know, probably fields of 10 and 12 that go around every day. There was two meetings held yesterday and if you read through the stewards' reports out of yesterday's meetings, there's no suspensions, no reprimands. Now, you might say that, you know, the Chief is a bit different to Flemington on a Saturday and the stakes are a lot higher at Flemington on a Saturday. But, look, given the number of races that are run on a weekly basis or a monthly basis, you know, thankfully... We don't have a lot of these incidents and, 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 you know, it is unfortunate that on the biggest stage over the last two weekends we've seen these falls and, and, and I understand the focus on um, whether the riders are riding too tight but we've got what I would say the best stewards in, you know, in the world 
Um, there's two inquiries to be run out of those two incidents from the last two weekends, and they'll be dealt with, and, and the outcomes of those inquiries will become public, and people can probably make a more informed opinion after the, the outcome of those inquiries. But I think what we do forget sometimes is how far we've come. You know, we've got the, the, the medical care that I've seen firsthand over the last two weekends to the riders that are injured on the track um, is absolutely at the highest level. They're able to stabilise those those riders and get them to where they need to be as soon as possible. And I think that's to be commended. I think there's a lot of focus from Racing Victoria, you know, on safety as far as the running of, of races. Um, you know, we've run 100% around plastic running rails. You know, we're the only state that actually does that. And we have ambulances that follow follow the field and are there within within a minute of the rider hitting the ground. And I think that that's what's... You know, we've got to look at that. And, and that doesn't just happen at Flemington on Saturday. That happens at, you know, Hinamundi on, on Saturday as well. So we've got to think about that. We, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to dodge the fact that, you know, there's a lot of commentary around riders riding too tight. But I think we've just got to keep it in perspective. And thankfully, it doesn't happen every day of the week, given the amount of races that are run on a weekly basis, night and day. So, um, you know, that's my view. Uh, we can always look to do better, no question about that, but I think we're, we're thankfully we've got a pretty safe product here. Matty, appreciate your time. We're going to have a chat to Craig Williams uh, now. Just confirming, though, Jamie um, is still under sedation, but there is no bleeding on the brain, no... Um, swelling, so it'll just be a matter of slowly being brought out of her sedation, correct? Yep, that's correct. Yep. Uh, and no fractures as well, which is uh, very good news. So fingers crossed for Jamie Carr. Uh, thanks, Maddie. Uh, let's go to Craig now, who is back home uh, convalescing after the shocking fall on Saturday. He's got a few broken bones, but I think he'd consider himself pretty lucky as well. Craig, good morning. How are you feeling this morning? Very well, thank you, Michael. It's great to be home with the family, and um, I was very lucky, so it's good. But what's the meaning of convalescing? <laughs> I was thinking that. I think it's a good word. It means... Getting better? Yeah. I've got images of couch, pillows, tomato <laughs> soup, those sorts of things. What do you remember of the fall, Willow? Uh, I, remember, I remember getting into my position, and then um, I remembered that I could glance something to the front of me on the inside, and then... It just happened really quick, and the other the um, the other rider was dislodged, and I actually then when I was going past, I thought, oh, I think I've cleared it, and then um, I just remembered that uh, I could see my horse's head stretch out, and then I'm, I could see myself uh, making coming close to making contact with the turf, and then um, I don't remember um, the rolling or the bumping after that until I had uh, the med um, the medicos that were straight on scene, or felt like straight on scene for me. And then I could hear people talking around me, so I could identify of um, of the lady and the gentleman that were the medics. And I heard Matthew Highland's voice, and Liam McKeith was there. I think he was worried that we were going to dig up his track. And um, one of the barrier, Geordie from the barriers, was holding a towel up to to stop the sun coming into my eyes. So there's things that I recorded on the ground. It, it's a split second, but it, it must it must be that ho most horrible of human emotions. That split second before you realise your car's about to crash or something terrible's about to happen. Can you articulate that split second when you know it's about to happen? You're about to crash. Well, because it is a split second and it does it is happen that quick. You don't have time for emotions. It's not like 
you could see that you're coming up to hitting a wall or something's coming to hit you when they're in um, in a field and you know the focus is looking forward going forward and then all of a sudden um, when Jane was dislodged that happened extremely quick and and as you say a split second there's no reaction for a split second so there is no time for there was there was no time in my situation this time where you could think about anything it was just just how it happened. So, Craig, you're back home with the family now, but you're heading back to hospital tomorrow to have an operation on your collarbone. Can you just outline exactly what your injuries are? Yes, I was really lucky. I've uh, I've stained a fracture of my left ring finger. I don't think it needs to have surgery, which is is another good thing. And um, I've done two ribs on the right side, the number number one and number eight, and uh, my right clavicle. So... It's a fancy word for collarbone. So it's the first time I've ever done a collarbone, which is quite rare for a jockey because you usually put your arm out to pull down. So it, the collarbone clavicle will be operated on tomorrow. Uh, Andrew Opp is going to operate on me uh, tomorrow at the at, at Epworth. So um, once they put that into place and speaking to a few jockeys that have had that similar surgery, then uh, they said you, you're a lot more comfortable after they, they played it or pin it or whatever they end up doing. Weeks or months, do you think? Oh, weeks, for sure. Right. Days, days the way I count. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're too good. Hey, um, just the wider discussion that we touched on with Matty Highland, and it, there was a situation in Hong Kong recent where this incredible situation between the top jockey and the chief steward, where the chief steward was uh, attributing a lot of um, uh, penalties for careless riding and riding too tight and so on, and Zach Purton said, nah, well, you know, you're too heavy-handed. But to me, it was all about ensuring jockey safety and what can be done to ensure jockey safety. A lot's been spoken here about how... Nowhere else in the world do they go as stop-start as they do in Melbourne for whatever reason in a lot of the races and lack of tempo. And I think a lot of people think more solid and true tempo is is cleaner racing and so on. Is there generally... Uh, is Victoria got a lot more concerns, Re, the, the, the reasons for, uh, for jockey safety concerns than a lot of other places? No, I don't believe so. I think we've got great stewards. We've got good rules in place. We've got very professional riders. And and most importantly, we're not out there alone. The horses that we ride have been very well educated. That situation on Saturday is just, was a, you know, I don't know. I've seen a couple of uh, angles from, uh, from the TV a couple of times and they're just unfortunately racing incidents. And but the stewards, at the end of the day, um, they're there to police the rules, to enforce the rules with penalties, um, so as every rider does go home safely. Now, if, if a horse went to miss on the racetrack, like someone gets um, has a car accident or things, unfortunately things happen. And um, unfortunately that was just a racing incident, I believe, on, on Saturday. And um, I, I think the stewards are doing a great job. I know that my father was, mother was so, um, was so grateful for their support and information they received. Uh, under the the systems that we have in place here in Victoria, and most importantly, we already know that we have the second most dangerous sport that we do as as a as a jockey behind Formula One. So we know that there is risk involved with it. But I, I think that um, with rules and implementation, and you know, from the horses' welfare to to jockeys' riding skills and the stewards policing the rules that we have, I think we have a, a really good balance and. I don't think we need a knee-jerk reaction from what's happened the last two weeks. It's just, it's unfortunate for us and 
and uh, we're thinking of Jamie at the moment, and Ethan Brown's on a long recovery, and um, oh, and I'm just got to, you know, I'll be up for a few days or weeks, whatever, however you want to count them. But there's not just us. There's a lot of riders that get injured at track works in the morning, and they all they're doing is preparing these horses before we see them on the main stage. And and I guess my wife's always been, you know, really strong about going. Well, you've got a profile. If something happens to you, you're okay. It's the people that we don't know or get injured at track work that people don't see or hear about. They're the people that need to be comforted and supported because, you know, it is a dangerous occupation, but um, we, we believe we're the best skills to, to mitigate a lot of these unfortunate situations and, and accidents, which I believe happen on Saturday. Um, everyone's different, so there's no rule for everyone, but psychologically, uh, it's such a, a dramatic thing to happen. Uh, about confidence and some people may lose their nerve. How do you psychologically work your way through such a heavy incident to make sure you're on top of your game all the time afterwards? Well, it's hard to my shoulder. It just um, annoys me every now and then when I move. And no jokes for laughing at the ribs. I, I want to be back riding tomorrow. So I know I don't feel like I could ride today, but, but that's how I feel. So, you know, I love what I do. And, and because there wasn't a choice of it, an error of judgment by my my part, and um, because it happened that quick, and then my body, my body and my mind obviously is protecting me by not remembering the the tumbling and everything else. Then um, you know I've got my own self, my own safeguards. But you are right, Maggie. It, it is individual, and I guess it depends on the circumstances and when pe- where people are at. But uh, I, I love nothing better than to be in, in one with with the thoroughbred and uh, and competing. Craig, it is so good to hear that you're you're feeling as well as you can. Look forward to a successful operation tomorrow and you're back at the track. There's no good time to fall, but gee, it's tough when you've got Mr Brightside and an all-star mile and Giga Kick as well at the moment. Do you have any input into who you think should take those rides? No, they're well-trained. Those horses are well-trained and, and whoever gets the ride, I'm sure they'll, they'll enjoy it too. I think um, I read Luke. My brother sent me a text message, Luke Curry might play off mm. the right side. So that's a case that's fantastic. So someone's bad luck can be someone else's good luck. So I've been the benefactor of it throughout my career. So it's just the way that is. And again, I'm, I'm happy to be home with my family. Um, I'm healthy and well and looking forward to get back to what I love to do as soon as possible. Absolutely. Uh, enjoy the time with the family, Craig. Best of luck. Thanks, gentlemen. You do wonder about the psychological impact on some jockeys. I, I know of, of, you know, whether it was true or not, but stories of jockeys, and certainly won't be the case with these guys, but they can lose their nerve, you know. They suddenly realise, gee, wow, you know, like the Formula One driver, this uh, this scenario can occur. So I imagine sometimes it's a, it's a really complicated pathway outwards sometimes if you've, you know. Uh, so as, as I say, every jockey's different, and as Willow said as well, but you can imagine that, some would take a psychological difficult route out of these things from time to time. Yeah, you can. But the, these guys are warriors, these guys and girls. They are just freaks. That's why they are so good at what they do because they don't think of the danger. They think about riding I the think horse. they do, though. I think that's the thing. But it's I don't not think the it's forefront. Yeah. yeah. You're yeah. not getting on a horse, going around to the barriers, going, gee, I could fall today. Mm. They're not thinking that way. It's more about when you do have one, mm. how you steal your mind. But you look at to people like Damien Oliver, mm. the injuries he's come back yep. from, and, and other top jockeys. Yep. Um, that's what separates the best from from yep. the, the run of the mill. Mm. Uh, we need to take a quick break. It is 22 minutes past nine o'clock. On the other side of this, we'll have a look at the rest of the Flemington card. Keep your SMSs 
coming through. Mark Zara still to come, Mickey D as well. And we'll also discuss a few of the issues of the week, including the Gerald Ryan article in The Age today, uh, the Strappers situation in New South Wales, what developments there have been from there. And as always, give us your thoughts and opinions as well. All that's still to come. On RSN's Racing Pulse, this is The Verdict. Welcome back to The Verdict. A few SMSs. Good morning. Great interview with Craig. High risk, high rewards job. But speedy recovery to Ethan, Jamie and Craig. That's from David. Um, do you think the stewards were too lenient on Mark Zara for his indiscretion on revolutionary miss? Uh, potential for other jockeys to fall? So Mark Zara is given, I think, six days suspension. So he'll be back to ride... In Sydney, he's on King's Gambit, which is on the cusp of getting a run in the slipper, and he's also got uh, Gold Trip and a few others heading up there. There was a lot of talk on social media about that. I don't think Mark Zara's the right one to ask if you were treated leniently, but uh, he, well, he's actually on the line. Speaking of that as well, uh, James McDonald has his hearing today to see if he can shave a day off, which is a huge moment because he's on Cylinder, he's on Animo, and he's on Pericles, the favourite in the Guineas on Saturday. So... Uh, that will be a massive shuffle up uh, as well, depending on what happens there. And I don't know, Mark Zara's in Sydney. Maybe he might be saying, hey, um, what about Adamo? I don't know if he's got a ride in the George Rider. He'll join us now. How are you, Mark? Good, thanks, mate. How are you? Very well indeed. Hey, why don't we relive what a day out it was for you on Saturday? Thorpe Revolutionary misses out now. Revolutionary miss coming out after Papillon Club. Papillon Club joined by Revolutionary miss who got up. Revolutionary misses Dale Papillon Club. Vow and declare a half away than Emissary. But right you are with 100 metres to go. Drawing clear and continues to build the picket fence. Right you are the winner from Vow and declare and Emissary. Then Young Verta. Superring at the 100 with Meridius. Then Is It Me? It's going to be close but Meridius takes the lead from Is It Me and will just hold on. Meridius from Is It Me. About a half neck in it. Zoe's promise. Yeah, it was a good three wins, wasn't it? Hey, that Meridius uh, is a remarkable story as well. Did you see the social media post of Meridius and a tiger snake in the box at Lloyd Kennewell's and the staff were able to get the horse out and get the snake out. I'm not too sure whether Meridius would have been running if Mark Zara was in charge of that. Did you see that on the weekend, Mark? No, I had no idea. When did that happen? That was on the weekend before he went to the races on Saturday. There was a huge tiger snake in his box. And I think the staff were actually yeah. doing a bit of a Steve Irwin and, and attempting to take matters into their own hands. Hey, Mark, just quickly before we ask you about um, the suite of winners, uh, it's been a bit of a theme of the morning, but it's obviously a sombre mood on the weekend. A lot of your great mates are, are bailed up at the moment. Malum uh, obviously is the centre of it as well, but Jamie Carr, Ethan Brown, Craig Williams all on the sidelines. It's, 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 You've got to really focus sometimes, don't you, on... Uh, uh, on getting the job done when a lot of other things are going on around you sometimes. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's never good when um, when there's falls uh, like you know, like the last couple of weeks. And obviously, it makes it even tougher when when the people you know and close to you, you see like you know a, a lot of times during the week. So um, yeah, you know, you, you've got to put it to one side and um, you know carry on with, with with the job job at hand. But yeah, you definitely feel it for sure. You are. Unfortunately, got the wrath of the stewards as well. But from a from a jockey's point of view, when you're in a situation revolutionary miss, you're trying to win the race. It's the favourite. The punters would have been going nuts if you just stayed where you were. It's a fine line, isn't it, Mark? When you're trying to get your horse out and get home and causing interference. Yeah, it is. It's, it's a very like it's very hard to be 
you know, and you're a competitor as well, to be sitting in the 200 with a lap full of horse and, um, you know, and you've got nowhere to go and you're on, on the favourite, it, it is hard. I mean, I know there's a bit about, I, they thought I got, I was a bit lean in, in my suspension, but, you know, if you actually knew what, you know, you're watching, I did it as careful as I could because obviously I don't like causing interference. No one does. And the last thing I do is, you know, put someone else's, um, you know, safety at risk just, just to win a race. But the, the, the interference has already, already happened to my outside. I, I did bump Blake. That was sort of what I got time for. I didn't get time for the other stuff. That's probably why I didn't get longer. So I was trying to be as neat as careful as you can. But when you've got outside horses outside you and horses shifting around, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very fine line between getting it right and wrong. You've ridden all over the world on on a scale. Where does Melbourne or Victoria fit in for tightness of racing, tightness of riding, competitors of riding, uh, uh, incidents, and so on? Is is it is it is it no different than anywhere else? No, I'd say we're Australia and Melbourne, particularly. I'd say we're one of the safest because there is like in on a Saturday or Wednesday, like in the city. I think you can't get any safer. So I've been in a lot of places. You know, the stewards are on top of it. You can't move much. You can't cause interference. You get suspended, and everyone's aware of that. And um, you know, I know we've had a bad couple of weeks, but I'd say on a general level, our, our race is very safe. Hey, just out of the blue, have you, are you any chance of getting on Animo on Saturday? I've thrown my hat in the ring. I've got no idea, but uh, they didn't say no, but they didn't say yes either. But I know my hat's in the ring, so who knows? Do you think King's Gam- is King's Gambit guaranteed to get a run in the slipper, or is he just on the borderline? I'm told he will get a run, but uh, yeah, I guess we'll wait and see. But as far as I knew, I, I think he was going to get in. Geez, he tried very nicely the other day. Tried great, you know. If he, if he could get a similar circumstance in a slipper, he's a horse that um, he just overdo it a little bit early and get his head up, and he was nice and relaxing the trial for me. So. So I can draw a gate and have a similar sort of, you know, just uh, get him to switch off in behind him. I think he'll run very well. Right, you are. has been a marvel this time, in it hasn't he? Um, he? He just won't get beaten. Depending, uh, no matter where he goes and the weights, uh, he's now got to be considered a, a legitimate Australian Cup hope, which I don't think anyone would have thought at the start of this campaign. Nah, it's funny. I went and seen Ethan on Friday, and he said, "Oh, you picked the worst time to get on the horse after it's won. What's he won four or five in a row?" I said, "Yeah, I know." Sure, I get I get the job now, but he drew well and he's just a winner. Like Kieran and Dave just done a, a fantastic job just to keep holding his form and he's like you say, horses that just win, they just continue to continue to do so. And he got into a bit of a, a battle there with um Brown de Clare and I thought halfway up I thought, Oh, he might be a bit, you know, tougher than me, um, Brown de Clare but and then inside the sort of two hundred I got the better of him and then, then it was drawing away late and it was a great win. Definitely deserves a shot at the Australian Cup. Just back to <laughs> Going back to something that's I'm fascinated by is when you make a bid to ride a champion. What do you, what do you say? Like, do you have to you throw a bit of spice into it or a strong say, statement? I'm a like winning jockey. Yeah. Do you say, <laughs> hey, hey, I'm I can get this done better than anyone, and you know, put a lot of exclamation points in the text <laughs> message. How do you try and get yourself over the line? Uh, it's, uh, chasing rides has never been a strong point of mine, and trying to sell myself is something I'm probably the worst at. I sort of just go, I'm available. You know, I can't really be bothered with all the other carry-on and spending sex and all that sort of stuff. I just <laughs> so I'm available, and if you want me, put me on. So that's about the extent of, uh, of the way I'm going to do it. I'm just looking at the forecast for Sydney. The La Nina seems to have packed its bags. There's a bit of rain up there today and a little bit less tomorrow and then fine weather all the way through. It's be a nice, pleasant change, wouldn't it, Mark? Because you'll probably end up riding a fair bit of the championships to, to have it run on reasonably dry ground for a change, if, if that's possible this year. Yeah, it's funny. I'm on a horse that's 
Gold Trip who wants it wet. Yeah. So I'm, I'm thinking, he's like, I wouldn't mind it if it was the same as last year. So um, obviously last year was, was, you know, a bit too far-fetched being a heavy 10 every week. But, yeah, I'm, I've got myself interest at heart. So I wouldn't mind a bit of rain around for Gold Trip if, if, if it's possible. At this stage, have you got anything else other than um, Gold Trip and King's Gambit? Um, yeah, so I'll ride elliptical in the um, oh, yeah. in the Royal Guinea. So um, he wasn't at his best last start, but um, you know he's got he's got good form and he, and he just got beat by a sharp and smart up there. Um, I think in the spring champion was it? So he's got the form, and I reckon maybe just ridden, ridden a touch colder. Um, yeah, he might be able to get back to his best. Could getting back to Sydney be the little freshen up that he needs after a flat run last night? Could that be a little ingredient for him, a change of change of scene? Uh, maybe. Uh, he probably doesn't need it. Like, he won well first up, and then, you know, he just might have been a bit flat. He, he sort of was three wide in a tough run first up, and then he was sort of on speed the other, the other day. And, um, yeah, I don't know if you need to fresh up. I just think uh, just you can just forgive him for that run, I'm hoping. And if he can bounce back uh, to his previous form, then, yeah, uh, he shouldn't be too far away. I wouldn't have thought he's got, he's got good form. Well, uh, you're in ripping form at this point in time as well. Another treble on the weekend. You've got the week off before you head up to Sydney. Are you going to get away with a fair? Um, not a lot. It's tough this time of year. Like I had to go gallop gold trip this morning and I've got jump outs all day tomorrow and then I sort of don't want to get too heavy. So um, maybe a few days somewhere. But no, not, I won't get too carried away because if I get too carried away, I get too heavy. So i just try and keep a lid on it until... Uh, <laughs> I go to Ibiza for most of June, July. Yeah, you, you do have to stay on the path, don't you? Yeah, there's a lot of distractions. Any major sporting events coming up around the world that we might pop up at, Mark, in the next few weeks? Uh, uh, no, I think we're pretty safe. NBA finals in May, that might be uh, something if I get suspended. I might have to duck out too, but I think I'm stuck to riding horses uh, for, the next, for the next three weeks. Are you a well-known identity identity on Ibiza now? You just walk down the street and everyone's... So you're sort of part local there, over there now? <laughs> Not yet, but uh, you're aiming to be. Booked, you're aiming yeah, to be. Yeah, by the sale book this time, I'm, I'm hoping that I'll get on a first name basis with the locals for sure. Have you got a name for that bar? You get them open over there. <laughs> yeah, I'm working on it. Uh, Frankie told told me he wanted to open one, so it might be my business partner. Imagine that. Oh uh, God, Frankie, what, what could possibly <laughs> go wrong? Frankie and Marks. Uh, <laughs> it wouldn't be an early, early closer, would it, Mark? It wouldn't be closing at 10 p.m., would it? No, I don't have to be very profitable. I think we'll be drinking all our own, uh, <laughs> own drink there. But anyway, we'll have some fun. Matty, Matty'd be no good in Ibiza because you don't actually go out before ten o'clock. Felg, um, no, right, Zara's Zara's a massive champagne man. Are you a Tattinger man, Zara? Uh, I don't mind Tattinger. Yeah, yeah, I'll drink it. I don't mind it. Oh, that's the house. Well, that's the li- <laughs> that's the limit. That's the limit to my expense. I think that's your starting point, okay. is it? Yeah. Look. Look, if you're paying, I'll have a, I'll have a, I'll have a glass, no worries. You haven't right. tried Great Western, that's what many people <laughs> <Yeah>. say. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well done, Mark. Enjoy the week. All right. Cheers, fellas. Catch ya. I could just see him walking down the street in Ibiza. G'day, Pedro, you know, <laughs> boys. It's, it's almost like I'm an, back. It's an Ocean Eleven's crew. Uh, it would they, be, yeah. When they head over Definitely, there. yeah. Uh, we need to take a quick break. We'll uh, get through a few SMSs. I want to ask Maddie's opinion on a couple of really good horses. That one uh, at Flemington on Saturday. And one of those is trained by Michael Kent Jr. Placing their opinion on the line, it's the verdict.
What you need with 125 to go, kicked away, now given a slap with the persuader, led by three links, and what you need for Ben Mellum. How impressive was that? Right you are in front of Vow and Declare, Emissary late the outer. Right you are at the 150, Vow and Declare a half away than Emissary, but right you are with 100 metres to go, drawing clear, and continues to build the picket fence. Right you are the winner from Vow and Declare and Emissary. Yeah, they can find a good horse, can't they, Mick Price and Michael Kent Jr. and their next stable superstar stood up on Saturday. What you need and the Mr. Consistent, Mr. Improved, right you are as well. Uh, speaking of Mr. Consistent, it's always great to have a chat to Michael Kent Jr. How are you, Michael? Very good, Michael. Yourself? Very well indeed. Uh, did that performance of what you need even surprise yourself and, and Mick? I know you've got a huge opinion of it, but... Speaking pre-race to yourself and listening to Mick pre-race, you were like, well, look, he's he's fit enough to win, but there's a lot of improvement to come. If he gets beat, you know, it won't be the end of the world. Yeah, no, I, I, I did say to the owners, it wouldn't surprise me if he won impressively or if he ran second or third, beat the fitness, but um, we saw the real what you need. Uh, you're never, never quite sure how they're going to go in the straight first time, but he backed up what he did on debut, and um, uh, he's just a sensational colt. Uh, if you get a look at him, he's the most magnificent-looking colt. He's big, strong, athletic. He's got the most amazing temperament. So, um, And he got speed to burn. Um, yeah, if he's, if he's as good as his father, he's going to be a very smart horse. I was going to ask you about that, and I was going to ask you about your father and whether he managed to have any breeding rights or any interest in Cepedo after he farmed him off to Widden. Uh, he's absolutely hit the ground running, Cepedo, hasn't he? And this this one's not even necessarily his best. There's a swarm of them out there, isn't there? I think he's his best one. Buenos <laughs> Natchez <laughs> is smart, but I think this guy's top draw. Um, yeah, he was a freakish horse, Cepedo, and Remember Sebastian Hartshaw at the time was working for Cornwall said if ever there's a colt racing at the moment with a stallion's pedigree, it's um, Cepedo. Rick Jamison paid, I think, seven figures for the dam of Cepedo and bred him at Gilguy Farm, obviously, and uh, he, he could nearly run 10-second furlongs at Cranbourne here when he was working. He was just a freakish horse. He won, he won four or five in a row down the straight, so he was a real good straight horse. Uh, he didn't get his Group 1, but he was a Group 1 talent horse and um, off very, you know, Modest service fees the last few years. He's bound to get a few top liners in bonus nutches and, and this horse. So, and then Pesudo looks to be handy enough, although didn't race well on the weekend. But, um, yeah, he'll be getting a lot nicer mares going forward. And he's at Wheaton Stud. So, it, you know, if you're a stallion, that's probably the best place you could end up in how the much, Valley. How much did what you need cost? We paid 180000 for sure. him. Um, yeah. So, look, Mick, you know, I think we really focus on buying Colt, the sales, Mick and I. And, been quite lucky in, in you know, horses like Extreme Warrior and uh, Zeno and, um, you know, Grunt's off to a good start and uh, Profiteers at Stud. So, you know, we don't pay a lot of money for our horses and I think that was, uh, you know, there's only two in that catalogue by Cepedo. The other one was um, Danny O'Brien's horse, which escaped the name of that horse, but he won it 20 minutes first start. And, uh, look, he's a beautiful horse. Witten retained a share. Um all the guys who raced the pitter himself jumped into this guy and they had to knock back fairly big offers when he was favourite for the Coolmore. And, um, yeah, he's, he's a very promising colt. You seem to trot him out, you know. I remember when Alation first came out in South Australia and there, there seems to be every week there's one that you go, wow, how good could this 
Price Kent 1B. Is is this one what you need at, at the top of your promising sprinting horses uh, group, or is he? Are there that many of them that he's up there with another three or four? <laughs> I wish I had that many, but yeah, he, he had to be. Uh, you know, Jack and is the top of our three-year-olds, no doubt. Um, but this guy's a sharper horse. You know, he's um, got an amazing turn of foot. Um, you know, I said to Mick, would a race like the good would be suitable to try and win a Group One? And he said, well, I want it with a three-year-old called Perfectly Ready, and this guy's better than him. So, look, we hope we can um, keep him keep him going, and uh, everything goes well for us. We'll look to go back to Flemington. Down the straight, 1100 looks a lovely race called the Sunlight Stakes. Uh, he'll meet Benedetta there, so that'll be a very good race. He looks like a Group One prospect too. And then if all went well, there's the Group Two Arrowfield Plate. It's uh, in Sydney during the championships, worth a million dollars. The Group Two, but they tell me it'll be a Group One next year. And to give you a picture, uh, last um, last year, Mazu beat in the Congo, beat Paul Laley. Mm. So that that sounds you know, a race ripe for elevation race. to me, Junior. Hey, just with uh, with uh, the son of a horse who didn't win a Group One, this one is, uh, you know, obviously there's so much. You guys are stallion makers finding the easy in inverted commas the easiest Group One to win to have that. This is as important as it gets, isn't it? What you need. The old man didn't group win a Group One. He's off to a flying start. If you can find a Group One for what you need, he's going to be a, any stud in, the, in Australasia is going to welcome him at a, at a high price, aren't they? Yeah. No, no doubt. And then if they see him physically, they'll fall in love with him. But look, it's not the Bill Nendall winning Group One. That's what we try and do. But uh, you made mention of it there. But um, not a single doubt. Ridden Tycoon, Invincibles. They didn't win Group One themselves, yeah. but had that sort of talent. So um, yeah, uh, it just falls into line with the programming, the Goodwood. You know, so I, it, I would say that Arafil will be a stronger race. To be fair, so um, it'll be a hot race, no doubt. You mentioned Jack and O. Um, how'd he come through the guineas? Where, where to now? Super. Uh, he's going fresh into the your age. So 1,400 would be a nice trip for him. And uh, he's having just a little uh, freshen up at the water walker. He's super. Pulled up great. Uh, things didn't work out for him. They just rolled. You know, they rolled along. And he was, um, you know, playing up as the gates opened on the back foot. He was third last. Uh, as Damien said, he ran enormous. Um, but had to be winked from where he was, and um, it was difficult. So, uh, look, he's pulled up well, and, uh, yeah, off the all-aged. Uh, Thunder, now with buckets more in the saddle as well. Um, 1,600, bit more speed on. Is it his day on Saturday, do you think, in the All-Star? It, it, just on that, Junior, is the All-Star, because of the attrition, is it almost one of the easier targets he's had for a while, given the, the drop-off on the race? Oh, yeah. It, certainly there's no Zaki or Animo. They're the two. Um, then um, Mr. Brightside and Alligator's so hard to get past. I think Mr. Brightside's going better than he was last campaign. He's sort of, he's fair, he's probably run better than us, the first two. Um, but I, I think if you look back on last year, Thunder ran the same two races leading into the All-Star where he ran second behind Zaki and we were unlucky there. He's actually going better when you look at his form. I would say the same as a trainer. He's going better. He's training better. We've trained him for this one run. And I'm, I'm sure when you run a horse over 2,003 times in a row like we did in the spring, it takes the edge off him a little bit. He's like shocking after all. We've trained him for a mile, and we're going to need a fast run mile 
um, on the weekend, we think, with um, the likes of Keats and uh, Gentleman Roy, you know, we got a blood that will roll along a bit. So we just want to draw a gate where we're, you know, not uh, too far forward, not too far back, just getting a nice run. Uh, terribly sad that you know, Jamie Carr is um, in hospital, but uh, Daniel Moore is our man. He's the man. Could you cash in your chips reasonably early this campaign with Thunder? He's already had a few. It was a busy spring. Back up in the Australian Cup, perhaps, as, as an option. And could that, Nelly, see him out for a little while? Uh, the plan at this stage is to back up in the Australian Cup and then you've got two weeks to the Queen Elizabeth. Um, we like the idea of backing up, I think, Flemington 2000. That's done a truck to a T. And it, it'll be, for $3 million, it'll be a bit easier than the race in Sydney where you meet Animo and the Japanese. So, um, And your chance to get rain, which is not terribly to his liking. So, um, yeah, we'll see. I think five runs is plenty for him and then you get a nice break from the autumn back to the spring. So you'll have three in the Australian Cup. Um, how does he beat right you are? Well, it's trained by Kieran Maher and Dave. Oh, God, of course it is. Yeah, sorry. I'm thinking <laughs> he's a shocker. So there you we, go. We, um, we did have him really That's early right. Doors. You had him um, for a little while. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Good save, Felgate. Good save. <laughs> Apologies. Yeah, I know some news there. He's coming back, is he? Oh, yeah. <laughs> God. Hey, it's bouncing around so much at the moment. Who would know? Is Pericles... <laughs> do we know, um, Mick, if Pericles is running? It's, it's a right No, no, he's running in the guineas on Saturday in, in Sydney. Well, geez, he would have gone around 6-4 to four in the Australian Cup, Pericles, I reckon. Hey, speaking of um, horses that aren't in your stable... <laughs> why, going to continue that theme, are why, we? <laughs> why, um, why didn't you guys get V8, uh, the son of Grunt? Did you look at uh, V8? Oh, there was 100 grunts for sale. Um, we had a bid on a couple. We didn't land one. I think we got one in the stable that goes nicely. But um, he was a fairly expensive grunt, 220000 You know, he's a very smart horse. And it's a huge, huge coup for uh, Yulong to get um, grunt to sire a you know, two-year-old Group 2 winner so early on. You know, he was a... I actually rode grunt my very first day at mid Price of stables. Uh, I got legged on by Mick Nolan. I had a feel of that one, son, and uh, really? that was Grunt. And, um, he was a beautiful horse, and he was a mm. three-year-old Guineas winner and a Maccabi Diva winner. So to sire a two-year-old Group 2 winner is massive, I think. Gee, he was good. He looks impressive. Um, just a quick word on Ayrton. Where's he at? Uh, don't. Ayrton put up perfectly sound. Uh, it was a firm track, and we, we found a few horses felt that ground. He didn't feel it at all. So whether he... Um, looked after himself and uh, didn't hit out, but he definitely didn't go to his best. It was an absolute peach from Mark Zara, I mm. thought, to end up uh, one out, one back from barrier nine. And had he finished second or third, you would have said, yeah, it's okay, we'll come on. But to fade and finish fifth was definitely not his best. So um, we'll just, uh, you know, nothing changes really with him. We'll just poke along and probably go four weeks between runs to the Group 3 Victoria Handicap, which he won last year. Have you got a winner for us on this Monday? You've got one over in Adelaide? Yeah, Easterly. You can you can back her. Um, so Ben Thompson's on board now, replacing Jamie Carr. Has drawn wide. She'll probably come across and sit handy. Um, I'd say Gay's horse will, will drag her across. And, um, yeah, she won very impressively first up. And there were big margins back to the field. So I think you can trust the form. She's trained on well. And... Um, it's a listed race, but I think she's well in. I think she can definitely run a you know, placing, hopefully, and get the owner some black type. Oh, I should ask you about a minimal too, who was probably, you know, the unlucky runner in the Australian Guineas. Is he heading up to Sydney this weekend? 
he's nominated, but no, we're aiming at the Valley. Um, yeah, it's around fifty thousand dollars. It's worth more than the Guineas, and um, it's just a bit easier for us to stay here at home. He's going to Moon Bay in the morning for a look around the track, and I'd say he's one of the favourites there. He's a yeah, he's a beautiful horse, as you said. Oh, this is an awful race to Guineas, mm. let alone the fall. But he was uh, bolting for a run at the same time and got um, buffeted around a fair bit. So a bad race on all fronts there. And um, he pulled up well, so he, I think he'll go there and run super. I keep thinking of things to ask you. How did Anavisto pull up? So Anavisto pulled up lame after the race. He's right back this morning, had a look at her. She blocked out 90% to the inside heel on her near front. So that's a relatively minor issue that we can correct with a bit of shoeing. Um, so essentially she's fine. Um, Nash did the right thing, looked after her. They just went absolute health to skelter. She fired up and lit up out of the barriers. They ran like, like 33 and change in the first 600 from a standing start. I mean, it's just ridiculous. So um, amazing that Private Jenny stayed on the way she did, I think, to run second. But um, Anavisto uh, was eased out of the race and she's, yeah, she'll be okay. So we'll just have a look at her and uh, make sure she's okay before making any further plans. But um, not too bad, really. Your pre-race comments were so accurate. You, you gave two scenarios. You said it'll either be she gets across somehow and it works out well, but if she doesn't, uh, it's cactus. And, and that's exactly... It's amazing when a scenario goes a bit pear-shaped. It can be a 20-length margin in the end, can't it, Mick? It's just, it's just that delicate with uh, these race day scenarios, isn't it, sometimes? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, I like reading the sectionals and you look at... Um Cardi's uh, IVR stuff. I think she went plus two above benchmark. First up at Flemington, they were going like plus 13 for a ridiculous mm. speed. So, um, yeah, hopefully uh, when Anna Visto's right, Jamie Carr is right, and she can get on with those magic hands. Good on you, Junior. Well done on the weekend. Thank you, guys. Cheers. If you could take one horse of the two promising uh, winners on Saturday, V8, who he looks a machine. I know it was a, a group two and he's going to have to step up in Sydney. Uh, was it a group three? Um, the um, size produce or what you need. Who's who's the most impressive winner on the weekend? Well, having just had that conversation with Mick Kent Jr., I've, I think what you need, because it sounds like mm. uh, what you need might be the the best horse up to 1,400 in the stable. So I don't know how V8 necessarily stacks up against that. Hey, just on, Mick mentioned that Easterly today in Adelaide. I know we'll talk about it before 10.30 as well, but this is a cracking meeting in Adelaide today. It's not just about the cup. We've got that really good Matrice Stakes, uh, Kemmel Pass, Eclipso Rain and so on. We get to see Delasan again today towards the very end of his career. Can he do it again back on his home track? And then some of those Morpheville Guineas and so on. Uh, later in the day, and the um, and the Cinderella Stakes. This is a really, really good meeting on one of the best race tracks in Australia today. So um, we are broadcasting it today. So it's going to be fantastic to uh, uh, get lost in the uh, in the world of. And I've, I came off a um, a late you're, death you're knock you're win the on the weekend. No, I was on a cooler than a heater, so I'm now about even temperature. So where, where was your happy hunting ground on Saturday? Last two at Ascot. There was a race meeting in Perth in West Australia on the weekend that I'd never heard of, but I nailed it. Started with M. Uh, Globe Derby of all places. First you do a lot of form for Globe Derby. Yeah, and I was burning the midnight oil on the Globe Derby videos. Um, oh, and, and you know, they're my usually weird and wonderful overseas venues as well. Well, uh, it's good to see you're informed. It is a cracking meeting, the uh, Adelaide Cup. We'll have a preview a little later of the Adelaide Cup as well. 
Um, so hopefully we'll be able to find you a few winners there. Before we get into the 10 o'clock news, Matty, just to finish up on the Flemington card, we'll look at Sydney after 10 o'clock. We'll have a chat to Mickey D, who had another Group 1 victory. Julius Sando had a, a frustrating day, but he would have been leaving pretty satisfied. Lofty strike ran out of his skin again in the new market. He's just a Group 1 winner in waiting. Um, where would you take Lofty? Would you go to the TJ? Uh, well, he's he's proven to be one of the absolute elite sprinters. So I guess you go where all the other elite sprinters are going, unless you want to, you know, how do we how do we win that big group one? Do you go to Adelaide and the others are going to Sydney? There's so a, there's a nice horse going to the Goodwood now, though. Yeah, exactly right. So look, I think he's he's up. He's one of them. So why doesn't he just go where all of the others go as well? And did you see Moya Lass at two hundred to one hit the line? Uh, behind Revolutionary Miss in the CUNY. Uh, she'll be heading to maybe South Australian Oaks or a race like that. It yep. was a super run. Absolutely. Hey, I've got a few of those um, last-minute replacement stories that we started off with earlier. According uh, to Warren Womack, Nick Deegan was halfway through a solid roll, uh, Carlton versus Richmond in 2013 elimination final, and then got yanked off the bench and kicked four goals. Uh, Alan Joyce for Alan Jeans, Hawthorne 1988. Dick Sargent for Dick York in Bewitched, a last minute switch, which didn't go down too well. Uh, and there was a, there's a few, one or two of them are even racing related. So there you go. So I I'm think we've created a monster list now. I'm looking forward to this article you're going to write on this. Uh, a few SMSs coming through. Hey guys, will Young Verther ever win another race? He is an MM. I was on him. I had him one out in quaddies and so on. He does a little bit tied up the straight, but oh, he's a floater, young worder. I reckon he's a real floater. He'd run third in a McKinnon and third in a yep. 78. Do you know what I'm impressed with how Vow and Declare's going? Yep. I think uh, Danny O'Brien's got him going beautifully heading towards an Australian Cup. Hi, guys. Ryan Moore's riding Shinzo in the Golden Slipper and Bowman most likely to ride Animo depending on J-Mac. Well, Hugh Bowman's coming back to ride... Um, one of the Snowden runners, Emperor of Japan, Emperor of Japan, I think it is in the slipper. So he's already coming back, um, and that is confirmed. Ryan Moore is flying in. Uh, Coolmore have uh, given him the SOS, and of course, there's a couple of O'Brien runners on Slipper Day, which he'll be riding as well. As far mm. as the makeup for the All Star Mile is concerned, obviously, I wish I win comes out, which means we go to the supplementary uh, emergency order. It's Mowunga. Elliptical and Hinged, all three are not going to go to the All-Star Mile. They're racing in Sydney on Slipper Day, which means it's then Zagotcha. Well, she won't back up after winning on Saturday. Uh, Sabak, which is the Annabelle Nisham International. I'm, I'd be surprised if that comes down here. Call Sign Mav, which he's not going well. So maybe Call Sign Mav could fall into the last slot of the All-Star Mile. Mm. Then it's Converge. And you could go all the way down to Converge. a horse like Uncle Bryn. Has it tomorrow? We need to know, or or later today, because the barrier draw is on tomorrow, and there's a big uh, morning out at Mooney Valley, which we'll be covering as well in the build-up. Has it not quite hit the mark this year for some whatever reason? There's distractions and there's attrition. Uh, is it? I know there's little chinks in the armour of the All Star Mile re whether it should be wait for age and the voting process and so on. But has it? I know it's. Is it a one-off year where it just hasn't? resonated as far as getting all the best horses or, or or is it still a work in progress on a number of fronts the all-star mile well i think the top end of town is still there alligator blood thunderstruck mr bright so well, there's no animo 
you've got your you've got your little X Factor horse from Tassie, the inevitable, who throws in some interest, but and I suppose uh, Alan Kerr, the international. But no, there's no animo there. Last year we had Zaki, and then it was a pretty similar field. So I think there's always been a bit of a tail in the All Star Mile because it's about the voting. Hmm. And this year we've had a bit of attrition, and um, where those bottom few uh, runners haven't haven't stood up through whether going elsewhere or injury. If the votes represent engagement and then you get down past the bottom 10 and then you toss out the votes and then put in, does it, does it diminish the, the engagement angle with the race a bit if that's, if that's the process? Well, I don't know because I think we were discussing this a year or, or so ago saying that you want the wildcard factor so that you've got that level of horse in there because if it was, you know, country maidens getting voted in because they were, you know, you had the big publicity sweep behind them. You've got to have a certain level of horse which is in the race. I think they. But the votes represent the community engagement, regardless of the horse. The votes represent the community but engagement. But I don't, and and you know so, what? I don't. Anyway, understand. Anyway, I think it's. I think it requires a bit of. Well, work. why was there such a community engagement with "I wish I win" when that when it was told, when everyone was told from the start, it's not running in the race. If you get a high attrition rate of horses that aren't running who were voted for, it, it does tend to put a dent in the confidence of voters for the next year of the running. So I think the All-Stars needs a little bit of work. Michael Brow will be in the studio tomorrow. We can put those questions to him. We'll take a break for the news. On the other side of this, Mickey D, and we'll look at Sydney. On RSN's Racing Pulse, this is The Verdict. Welcome back to The Verdict. Uh, Maddie Stewart, Michael Felgate, go through until 10.30 and then uh, we will have Gators post-mortem from Monday. it be fascinating to get Gators thoughts on both the Melbourne and Sydney meetings. And then we'll have the Victorian Form preview after 11 o'clock. Warren Huntley looking at Warnable and Racing.com's genius. He's a guru in South Australia. John Kelton will join us for a full look at the Adelaide Cup meeting as well. And then... He is brilliant, John Kelton. Yeah. Um, the previous James Jordan was very hard to replace, but John Kelton is absolutely nailing it. So he will be invaluable. Mike. And then uh, you're flying solo on the big V, Matty. No, I got Velasaris here. He's going to contribute. Uh, oh, you've got the bearded burbler. Yeah, we're going to we're going to uh, do a little bit of bush summary. Um, we're going to talk to a lot of country cups. Guy, who, young guy who got uh, pinged for over celebrating at Hinamunji. Got whacked by the stewards for an over-celebration. Uh, trying to chase up a trainer called Georgie Boucher, who went all the way from Cooma over the mountains and trained three winners. Um, Aaron Carew might join us, hopefully, if he's listening. We went uh, about his ride today, and I'll look ahead to the jump. So lots of stuff coming up, including yay or nay, everything, everything on the big V. Hey, you remember that hot run that uh, Scott Seymour had going back about... Yep. 20 years ago where he won every he race. He won the Golden Slipper on Callaway Gell that year. He yeah. was on Ethereal and he couldn't couldn't ride a loser. That's but right. Last Mick- time I spoke to him, he was sitting on his roof in Lismore in New South Wales. He had a macadamia farm and the floods were so high, I spoke to him when he was sitting on his own roof in Lismore. She was. Uh, well, uh, he's not quite at the uh, the level of Scott Seymour was all those years ago, but she, Mickey D, is not far behind. He's having a year to remember, and on the weekend, he rode his third Group 1 winner in a couple of weeks. 
On the outside, it's She's a Belter starting to cut loose. Pride of Jenny's all out, and She's a Belter is building home, and here's Espiona going up the inside. Espiona the fence from Pride of Jenny and She's a Belter. Three of the minute now. Espiona, She's a Belter, Pride of Jenny. Espiona wins the group one. Espiona and Nose on the line to Pride of Jenny. Well, there'll be a lot of punters out there going, I see it, but I don't believe it. How did she win the group one? Uh, Chris Waller's done an amazing job, but the real key... Uh, has been Mickey D uh, turning around the form after she was very good in the mannerism to win a Group 1 in Sydney. It was a masterful ride and Mickey D joins us. Uh, congratulations, Mick. Another Group 1 uh, for Chris Waller as well. Yeah, hey guys. Um, yeah, another Group 1. It's uh, yeah, a fantastic run that I'm having. Mate, you're just having a lend of us now. You're not just winning Group 1s, you're winning them on Espiona. Oh, <laughs> uh, well... Look, I, I think uh, everyone knew she certainly had has Group One ability. It was just a matter of uh, finding it and uh, finding the right espiona on the day. Were you confident when you were uh, coming up to the turn because it was it was run at ridiculous speed and Pride of Jenny did a Herculean effort to hang on and just get uh, get beaten in the photo. But you seem to be poking up along the inside. Did you know you had a lot of horse there? Yeah, I did, because um, I actually sort of ran up behind two horses that weren't going that well, and uh, she just grabbed the bridle on her own accord, and I thought, gee, I'm going pretty good here, and had to switch back to the inside across heels, and then uh, um, once I yeah, switched back to the inside, she exploded. It just must be, I mean, I, I think a lot of us who saw her win at Flemington that day and she raided through the roof thought, well, you know, maybe if she's not the next Winx, uh, then she's certainly a gun-dry tracker and a gun-left-hander. She was right-handed Saturday, but she spent a lot of time last last preparation running on wet tracks in Sydney. Is the secret to her simply getting on good ground? Um, yeah, possibly. Um, she, yes, certainly probably goes better on top of the ground, but... Uh, I think with her, um, just the timing seemed to be right with uh, running back down here in Melbourne, getting that uh, confidence-boosting win and uh, her taking that form up there to Sydney and full of confidence and uh, with the 51 kgs on her back, it uh, it just all seemed to fall into place. Can you believe the run you're having at the moment, Mick? It was... uh... Uh, two weeks in a row, you've you've ridden a filly and a mare who have finished unbelievably well, and uh, before that, the gold, uh, the blue diamond, and and now you're counting down to the slipper this Saturday. Yeah, can't wait till the slipper. Um, from all reports, Little Bros has um, done nothing wrong at all since that blue diamond win. So I'm sure he'll be going up uh, there probably uh, better than ever. And um, yeah, the last couple of weeks, it's. Uh, it's been pretty surreal, and uh, I'm just yeah hoping it can continue. And then a week or two after that, you got the sires, and I imagine Mahabra uh, for Graham Begg, who ran a bottler in the Pango Pango. Uh, you'd be looking forward to the sires. Yes, um, that was the uh, that horse was actually the reason I was originally going up there for on Saturday, and uh, I was although he didn't win, um, he still ran really well, and I think. Uh, 1,400 at Randwick uh, would be right up his alley. It's a, a bit of a merry-go-round as far as the jockeys are concerned at the moment with falls and suspensions. Uh, have you got 
Any other rides on Saturday that you're booked in for as yet? Uh, yeah, I've got um, Levante uh, for Ken and Bev Calto, so um, continue my uh, Kiwi connection there. And um, I've got uh, Banker's Choice for Mike Moroney and, um, uh, and a map for James Cummings so far and those group ones. Hey, Mickey, I just Googled how to buy a Learjet... <laughs> and there's there's a there's a website called Aviation Trader. You can buy new and used, and it's got a list of all categories. I already know that. Yeah, I had a feeling you might have done this. Um, I'm just trying to find prices now, now. You can you can just keep elevating your price ceiling now. Do you want a jet aircraft, a turboprop aircraft, a piston single aircraft, light sport aircraft, piston twin? No, nah, just go to the piston rotary wing. Piston rotary wing. What are we looking, what sort of, because what people may not know is that you're about to become a pilot as well, or you're looking at it. What, yeah. what would it cost you to get it? Let's just say secondhand, but well looked after, secondhand. What are we looking at? Oh, yeah, the, the price range is uh, a massive deal. I'm just looking at the very, very low end, uh, but something not... Too cheap that uh, will fall out of the sky. No, you don't want to fall out of the sky type of scenario. What are we looking at? Three or four hundred grand? Oh wow! If I could get something like that, yeah, that'd be ideal. All right, you you could make that make that back in a make it back in a year, flying all your fellow jocks around and charging them. Harry Coffey will be the first one on the line. He'll be saying, "Mickey, you know I do live in Swan Hill." Yeah, yeah. Have to fill up three times. Uh, hey, uh, Mick, well done on the weekend. Um, it is a fickle game, though. You were back to reality in the Black Opal yesterday. Tis Invincible, just no luck at all. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't give her a very flash ride at all yesterday. And it, it was certainly awkward from the wide barrier. But, um, yeah, things yeah, certainly didn't go right there. Hey, just for those who are punting at Canberra Cup Day today, I saw a lot of stuff on social media about how badly the track raced at Canberra yesterday after not much rain and it looked like a soft seven. Did, did how did you find the track yesterday? Yeah, there was a lot of a lot of fill and uh it was very loose and uh watching the previous races of my races there was yeah a lot of kickback so they certainly had put a lot of water on and uh it'll be very interesting to see how it races today. Is, is it going to be a ploughed paddock today for punters? Uh, well, well, I presume the cup is the late race, so, um, yeah, I'd, I'd be presuming it would be pretty cut up for the cup. Yeah, it's a, uh, the second last. Uh, well, Mickey, good luck in the build-up to Slipper Day on Saturday as well, and uh, four group ones in three weeks. It sounds pretty good as well. Yeah, that sounds good. And then we'll get that Learjet. Good on you, Mick. Cheers. Bye. Um, Imagine being in the luxury. You know how we Google, you know, Uber Eats and <laughs> affordable, you know, uh, you know, Airbnb. You know, where can we stay? He is dead set googling how uh, Leah jets for sale. That's how he rolls, uh, Mickey. Too. Well, that'd be nice for heading down to Warnable. Uh, just jump down there for the week. Harry Coffey better start winning some great ones because he needs one. He's not moving anywhere. <laughs> uh, well, Harry might be. Um, he might be in line for a few nice rides, especially with the All-Star Mile this week. Mm. So that Canberra Cup, um, Explosive Jack, 
Sacramento are the favourites. It's the second last race today. So we'll see how that Canberra course um, races. Morning, gents. Best win of the weekend had to be um, Pravro. I doubled my bet after hearing the interview on the Big V. Cheers, Matty. That's Rhino yeah, in Deniliquin. Gwenda Johnson, yep. Um, did you see the Auckland Cup on the weekend as no. well? Oh, no, I saw no name. Uh, poor old Mike Moroney. Yeah. Oh, uh, it was uh, unbelievable. Um, we don't have the audio of it, but it, it missed a start, came around the outside and um, just got beaten. No, no. Um, what was it? No, was it? no Verve. Um, yeah, Nerve Not Verve. Nerve Not Verve was a, a huge run. Um, Sydney? Zagotcha, very good, yep. as we'd expected. Yep. Um, did we see the slipper winner on Saturday? Because I think both Shinzu and Steel City are going to be right in the finish of the slipper. Obviously, barriers, which I think are drawn tomorrow, this year are going to play a huge part in the slipper. But if Steel City draws a gate, there's no reason why she's not top three in the golden slipper. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, the right stable, the right sort of sense of timing, all that sort of stuff all, all tends to make sense. Uh, Ma Eustace did bolt in. Um, we'd have to keep an eye on the weather. I'm not sure. It can get a bit fluky at this time of year. So, you know, it, to be to be honest, it's a race that I only ever really get a try and get a handle on really close to the event when you factor all those things in. Um, other than that, uh, Zarek for a horse. Oh, it was huge. Yeah, he was, he was solid. Um, Prodigeny was the most extraordinary run you've ever seen. This is the race in which Anavisto yeah. collapsed after being on the speed. Prodigeny was there, and even the last metre of the race, she was still fighting back. So I don't know whether she can replicate it, but she was the biggest run you have ever seen. And other than that, um, 10 race marathon. Yeah. Did you? It wasn't much else. I know there was a bit of banter between you and one of the listeners last week about a Buenos Noches bet. What was the situation there? Did you take that up? Uh, it involved getting a share in an Oconee Philly train down there, Geelong. So what do I have to do now? Does this mean I now have to take a share in that horse? Did you win the bet or lose it? I can't remember. I, I sort of, yeah, no, I think I lost it. Well, that so means, do I now have to take a share in that means you've got to give them six bottles oh, of Oh, no, I've now got to give this bloke six bottles of Yellowtail. So I'm using. I've been using some to, as a door stopper. So I'll, I'll just. Do they still make yellow tail? Don't bag them because it's a very well known winery and it's actually good budget wine. It's, is it? it's actually the only thing I notice is that the Shiraz, the Cab Sav, and the Merlot all taste the same. <laughs> but anyway, John uh, from Heighton in Geelong it was, and well, then there was a guy who we were talking about the Hinamungi races, and he he said he sent in a text saying, "Mate, I'll 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 drive you." You know, if you want to go, I'll, I'll come and I'll pick you up and I'll drop you home. And I joked that um, I'm not sure because he may be a serial killer. And there's a lot of, you know, dusty back roads up there. And I saw him at Flemington. He walked past me and goes, hey, I'm the bloke. I said, what bloke? He goes, the bloke that was going to take you to Hinamungi. And he said, and I'm not a serial killer either. <laughs> so it's quite funny. Uh, well, that's, uh, that's comforting to know. Hey, uh, Matty, agree, read the All-Star Mile. The voting represents fan engagement, but then the wait-for-age scale renders half the field non-competitive. It needs to be set weight and penalties. I just think, and I'm not knocking it at all, uh, I just think there are obvious reasons why they need to have a really good sit-down and work out what is this race all about, and let's be consistent with that. Um. Hello, Matty. I agree with you. Read today's meeting in Adelaide, yet we get a 
substandard meeting at Warrnambool on this public holiday Monday. Remember, the Valley used to host day meetings on public holidays. It was a much better option. Too much focus Thursday, Friday night racing these days. We should have a better meeting today on a public holiday. Love the show, Adam from Bendigo. Mm. I, I tend to agree with this. I know we had a, a throwaway kind of Mooney Valley Sunday meeting last week when the first day of the sales were on. Mooney Valley probably couldn't race this Monday because they've got the All-Star Mile on Saturday, but why don't we have a Metro Monday public holiday meeting on which coincides with Adelaide Cup, Canberra Cup? Because public holiday racing has failed dismally in the last 20 years. They just don't work anymore. People do other things. They used to be a staple. So for turnover, it's no good. Recent history says that people are dead set and not interested in, in going or betting on races on public holidays. Morpherville today will be interesting. They're charging 55 bucks at the gate. That's really interesting for me. Um, so I, to answer your question, it was once huge. That's why one of the reasons why Oakbank collapsed because of the push away from uh, people being interested in horse races on public holidays. So you're saying 55 bucks is too much to go to the Adelaide Cup? Way too much. Mm. What kind Way of crowd would you expect that they'd get? Well, that's going to be interesting because I would say that it would be surprisingly low because it's a public holiday. Um, I've got a mate who's running things over there at the moment, Vaughan Lynch, and I'm hoping that he... Uh, this is a really good litmus test for future Adelaide Cups of price point and all that sort of stuff, maybe. so. Uh, Manny, a couple of issues we want to touch on, and, and one is an article in The Age today regarding trainer Gerald Ryan, and this has been uh, an issue, a situation that's been long spoken about in racing circles, and it is in regards to allegations of sexual misconduct regarding Gerald Ryan, which stem back some 25 years ago when he was stabled at Flemington. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you covered this as a, as a journalist with the Herald Sun. And I'll just read a couple of excerpts from the article, which is in The Age today. A Victoria police spokesman has confirmed a new investigation has been launched into historical allegations of sexual abuse. Bayside Sexual Officers and Child Abuse Investigations Team Detectives are investigating reports of historical sexual offending in Flemington and other areas in the 1990s. Investigations remain ongoing. Um, Gerald Ryan has declined to comment. Many of the allegations relate to his tenure at the former Hobson Lodge Stables, which adjoined Flemington Racecourse and was owned by former Racing Victoria Chairman David Moody. Uh, Moody... In the article, it says, called a meeting of all staff at Hobson's Lodge in April 1996 following a series of complaints against Ryan. According to reports at the time, Moody asked if anyone had been sexually harassed and more than half of the 22 employees raised their hands. Uh, Within days of the meeting, Ryan went on a month's leaves from Hobson's Lodge while an investigation was launched by stewards from the VRC, which was responsible for the oversight of sport in Victoria at the time. Uh, Ryan handed his licence to train in Victoria in just days before that hearing was meant to be undertaken. He then moved overseas, trained and ended up on the Gold Coast, now training, as we know, in New South Wales. What happened to the original investigation and why did it splutter out? That's what I'm, you know, I was at a major racing inquiry at Racing Victoria four or five years ago and a very prominent ex-jockey came in and demanded to be heard, and it was allegations about Gerald Ryan because uh, he d- he wasn't satisfied. He felt what what ap- whatever happened to the investigation. He came in into the cafeteria area and uh, wanted to make a very big um, statement uh, on the day. So what I'm curious about is, uh, and I did speak to Jamie Steer this morning about 
Um, he's the head of integrity at Racing Victoria. Of w- what happens with Gerald Ryan uh, runners in Victoria? And his view was, uh, well, we we plus the integrity commissioner are being led by whatever the police investigation reveals or whatever decisions the police make. But I'm still uh, questions that need to be answered are. Why did this all peter out so long ago? Well, what what's the the impetus for it to be resurrected now? Why couldn't it have continued at the time? As the story said, the VRC was involved in an investigation. Well, Racing Victoria is not involved in an investigation. They are only being led by what the police determine now. So does the industry itself have any autonomy over this story at the moment? Can they do anything based on the previous allegations? So... I don't know. I just I just find it really curious. Um, it's a long time ago, but um, it was a huge story at the time. And Brendan Cormick broke the story in the Australian at the time, and he was admonished by members of the Victorian Racing Media Association for doing so. Um, and he was put through a really hard time, but I, he was obviously vindicated because of the significance of the story. And I think members of the VRMA at the time who. Um, had a real crack at him about that, um, should still um, hang their heads in shame. I think at the moment this can't be ignored by the racing industry. It it might be um, a difficult um, process and it could be um, one where it's not going to garner the the most... um, positive media coverage, but it can't be ignored, Matt. There are a lot of people in the industry who have been um, talking about this for a while. There's a lot lot of people that have um, suffered through this. So I think it's a good thing that a police investigation is going to be reopened because it needs to be dealt with to the full extent. And at the end of that Age article, um, we've got the Victorian Racing Integrity Commissioner. um, And it says that obviously they can't comment on this because it's an ongoing police investigation. However, the Commissioner would like to remind all people in the racing industry who have experienced or experienced or observed or have observed physical, uh, sexual assault and abuse and sexual harassment that the Victorian racing industry, there is an opportunity to be heard by taking part in an independent review into the Victorian racing industry and victim support complaint processes. So that's what the um, Racing Integrity Commissioner is doing alongside this. Not specifically on this, but for anyone out there who has felt that they have been subject to that. And it's the time for people to come forward because well, the historical elements of this that may have occurred and it needs to play out before police and, and potentially courts, um, all information needs to be brought forward. Well, and the other thing too is whether this police investigation uh, reveals whether it was handled adequately at the time by the VRC, by the stable itself. Were they thorough enough? Did they um, do the right thing when it came to these uh, uh, these complaints being unearthed internally at the stable? Was that handled properly? I'm not saying it wasn't, but was it? Uh, and did the VRC... Well, why did they stop investigating? Why so did the they VRC start and then at stop? The, at that time... It was Racing Victoria. It was Racing Victoria. Yeah. So it's not as in the race club itself. No. It, they actually ran it. So, um, all right. Well, we'll wait to see what transpires there. Just a quick one before we end, too. Interesting article in the Sydney papers on the weekend, Maddie, in regards to the, the strapper um, percentage of prize money dispute, which has reared its head. And it was very Sydney-centric article in the Sydney papers which basically only discussed the reason why 
it's set up in New South Wales. And the, the argument was that um, it's so that there is oversight that that money is going um, and being split between the stable hands at the stable. It doesn't go to the individual strapper. So if, if Animo Strapper wins eight Group 1 races, Animo Strapper is not going to go and live in Double Bay. It gets split between. And that between. does make sense. Absolutely. If it goes to the central body being the trainer, and the, the story did explain why it's hard to police it outside of New South Wales, all of that was fine. But what it didn't address was how do you... Uh, as it unfolded, and the last line of the story basically said that maybe Racing New South Wales regrets um, uh, opening a Pandora's box by paying the payment to the GigaKeep people. Um, well, that's the that's key the, issue. It, the essence of the story is uh, how do you break your own rules? And, and, I, and, and the payments have been suspended. There have been a lot of applications. So I would imagine that the lawyers up there have basically said, look, Whatever you've done here, just stop it now and let's reassess, but do not make any more pain. That's the way it reads. So I know there is a there is a big stable that there was a suggestion that they had got paid. They have not been paid. And it's a and lot of money. they are pursuing it aggressively. So we'll see what happens. All right. Um, anything else, Matty, that has caught your no, eye? Just um, trying to tap a few guests now for the Big V. And uh, there's going to be a bit of a focus on... For some reason, I'm obsessed with Hinamungi. I don't know why. We've got uh, an SMS here. Um Serial killers must be in real need of work if their targets are stopping. Uh, 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 Don't stoop, body shame me. Stooping so low. <laughs> Only right. joking. Okay. Uh, got myself uh, a nice write up on the great tip off after Saturday figures. Uh, so uh, Mick from Bond Beach is there. Um, Highland Jack and Amade are his tips in the Adelaide Cup. He'll be tipping with. Uh, uh, some confidence today. Hey, Maddie, don't trust that gut. Uh, that's exactly what a serial killer would say to you if you asked him, are you a serial I killer? I may have avoided death by knocking back that invitation. Who knows? I may not have been here today. Well, well hang on, I hear the applause. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Valisaris. Uh Maddie, we'll see you on the big V. Right, I mate.